All right, welcome everybody to episode number 62 of Collectible Live. It is Monday, February the 20th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who tuned in last time with our guest, Glenn Brunswick of Panel Page Art. We had a great show. You can check that out on the YouTube channel. Let's bring out this week's guest. He's the president of ComicConnect.com, Vincent Zerzolo. Welcome to Collectible Live. I love your background. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeremy. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, you you, you bet, Vincent. It's good to it's great to have you. Want to let everybody know if you're out there watching, you can leave your comments and questions in the chat. We will get to as many of them as we can. Vincent, let's start off with this. I want to I want to keep it light and easy. What are what are your what's your favorite thing about comic books? As a as a kid, I just loved reading them. I loved being able to sit there and escape into another world. Uh, I love the art. I love the stories. I love the idea of the good guy always winning in the end. And so those are the things that drew me to comic books as a child. And I guess as I got a little older, you know, my friends and I, we trade them in school, just like you guys traded baseball cards, right? And so then uh, when I was around 15 years old, I started buying and selling them with one of my best friends. And it just took off from there. And so, I mean, that's a that's an that's the early history. And now you've built this what was initially a hobby and interest in the the characters. I love how you put it: the good guys always winning. Into what I, from my perspective, seems to be a pretty big business. You seem to be a leader in the space and uh, influential within the within the space of comic books, original comic art. I said in the intro, your background. I love that. How much fun must it be to come into your office every day? Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey from being a kid reading and trading comic books into being, you know, running a business and making it your full-time thing? Yeah. So I started when I was around 15 years old uh, while I was in, I guess, high school, uh, buying and selling. And it would be basically I became the comic book kid. Anybody who had a friend, a neighbor, a relative who had a comic book collection, they would contact me. And either a friend or my mom would drive me over to look at the collection and I'd go and buy it and resell it. There was also something called the Comic Buyer's Guide back then. It was a uh, weekly newspaper for comic book trading and reading about articles and stuff. And we put ads for buying and everybody who was collecting comic books got that. So I get calls from all over the country and I'd start buying and selling that way. I did this all through high school, college, part-time. And when I got out of college, I had a very interesting moment where I said I can either get a job and take a train an hour into the city an hour back and probably make peanuts my first year out of school or I could sit in my apartment in my boxers and probably make double that it was not a hard decision and I decided to pursue comic books full-time and one of my first uh, things I did one of the things I was taught is if you want to do something you should set out your goals and write them down you're 70% 70 more likely to achieve them if you write them down on paper. And one of the first things I wrote, if I'm going to do this, I want to be the biggest dealer in the world. I had no idea exactly how I was going to get there, but I started building my company off of customer service, which is something I saw that was uh, a deficiency in my competitors. And I had a deficiency basically everywhere else. I didn't have as much experience, money, contacts, network, you name it. So how can I beat these guys? I can, I be, I can beat them through great customer service and really working my tail off, working hard and working smart. So I did that, and uh, that was 1993. I was actually selling comic books in the streets of Manhattan. 
So I'd set up on Broadway between John and Maiden with two card tables, eight boxes of books, and anybody who'd walk out of Wall Street and uh, the financial district and come by my, my, my setup would buy comic books for me. And I did that for a bit. And my first year out of school, I was also where, uh, middle manning warehouses for packagers, people who were packaging comic books. So they were like three for a dollar that you'd find in a Walmart or something like that. I probably moved somewhere around a million comic books my first year out of school. And I'd make anywhere from a penny a book to sometimes, on average, it was a penny to two pennies a book. But every once in a while, it was you know five, ten, five to seven cents a book on $50,000, 50,000 lots, 100,000, 200,000 books, things like that. And um, I built my business from there in 1999. My friend and, and guy I did business with, Stephen Fischler, asked me to become his partner. And we've been partners over 23 years now in Metropolis Collectibles. In 2007, we started Comic Connect, which is the premier online site for auctioning and consigning comic books and uh, collectible material. And Metropolis is the world's largest dealership for vintage comic books. And we also started an art gallery here in Manhattan uh, called Metropolis Gallery. And so uh, those things have been really fantastic for me and have helped me um, to design a life and not, not just make a living, but design a lifestyle around something that I'm very passionate about, comic books and collectibles. Wow, that's a great, you have a great story, Vincent. Um, you know, you, you, you transitioned from it being a hobby as a kid, as you mentioned, you know, reading the books, enjoying the subject matter to a full business. You're in it now. It's it's paying the bills. It is it is your livelihood. Have you do you feel have you lost any of the love that original passion you had now that it's a business, or do you still have that that youthful excitement for for a new book or a new title or a new character when it comes out? Speak to that a little bit. So I can give you there are different times, different moments that you feel different things. Overall, in general, I would say that my love for comic books, if anything, has actually grown. The more I've learned about them, the more I, I've always felt they're an incredibly important American art form. And the more I've learned about them, the more I learned about the history, the more I've gotten to meet many of my childhood idols, artists, writers, creators, um, the more I've actually become passionate about these in, 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 a, in a more sophisticated manner. Um, but having said that, there are moments where I will find myself making let's just say, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this as a matter of fact, this is what we do here. I make a half million dollar sale and it's just like, okay, what's next? And sometimes you have to stop and take a moment and take a beat and realize, first of all, how special what you're doing is and what you're accomplishing is. And the second thing you have to do is take a moment and, 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 and stop and look at the comic book. Wow, I made this seller really happy. And I made this buyer really happy and I made a little cut for myself. That's cool. Or sometimes I just buy a collection and resell it. And that's really exciting too. But uh, so there are times where you get lost in the shuffle of business. Uh, and then there are times where you're, you know, unlike the good guys, you can't in the comic books, you don't win every time. And sometimes you're dealing with the daily rigmarole of running a business that has nothing to do with what I love comic books. It's just business stuff. And sometimes that stuff can get very uh, heavy and it's not always the most pleasant thing to deal with. You know, it's, it's, businesses, anybody who tells you like, oh, be a business owner. It's the best. It, I love it. I, I was taught that as a kid. My father was an entrepreneur, came over here. My parents came over here from Italy and my father started off as a dishwasher and worked his way up and was just became a chef and, and restaurateur. 
Um, and he always told me ownership was key. And there are many, many different ways to make your money in this world. And I wouldn't say it's the only way, but it's something that appeals to me greatly. But with every good thing, there are negatives and positives. So to answer your question, I still love comic books. I love them more than ever. I read them almost every night before I go to bed. I seriously do. And in fact, I love them so much. Uh, I've had a lifelong dream to make my very own comic book. And during the lockdown, during the pandemic, I sat there and said, you know, we never know when our number's up. Yes, this never before illustrated so vividly than during that lockdown, especially here in Manhattan, which was a ghost town. It was crazy. And I said, you know what? If I don't make this comic book now, when am I going to do it? So I called up my my partner, my writing partner, David Quinn, who created uh, Faust, which is a very popular comic book from the uh, uh, 90s. And we dusted off a uh, property and revamped it and re revitalized it. Uh, that book, a, a character that I created and, and David and I are co-creators on called The Addiction. And we're going to be coming to market with that this October. So that's another part of this that has like really re-energized me and excites me every day. The idea that I can take everything that I've learned in my career and now funnel it into something I've never done, which is make a new comic book. So I'm really excited. That, that's the best, man. I mean, talk about coming full circle to uh, being a kid and trading these books written by others, drawn by others, and now it's going to be your creation and you're going to get to buy and sell in it and just enjoy hearing what other people think of it. That's Congratulations. I think that's an nice. unbelievable step for you. and for, yeah, anybody. for Everybody out there, everybody out there, get ready. The addiction is coming. Nice. <laughs> Very awesome. Let's say we have Rag718 in the chat says that... Uh, Says that he knows you well. He invite I know Vincent well. He invited me to the New York City office several times when he used to live there. Good old days. And he says he, you sold his X Men two to twenty slab collection ten years ago. Uh, he has a question for you, Vince, and he wants to know how much lower is the comic market going? As if as if you could predict the future. But do you want to maybe set some context for why he asks this question, and then perhaps sure. address it? Sure, my pleasure. So in the last uh, two and a half years, we've had a bull run in the comic book market as well as the overall collectibles market and we've seen many other collectible categories get hit extremely hard uh for anything from i mean I, I just recently heard that um racing cards that had gone through the roof are now worth a fraction of what they were worth just a year ago now comic books are a little bit more of a stable collectible category in that they have a lot more legs to them than most other categories and they also have a very rabid and diehard fan base now having said that the prices that they escalated to were incredible they really were um and uh for 1960s to present we've seen a downshift in those prices anywhere from 10 to 50 percent of value which is a lot you know uh and i would say on average it's 20 to 30 percent um now, if you had asked me spat last summer where I thought the market was going to be, I thought we were pretty safe. I understood there were certain changes happening in the world economy in, in general and, and, and things like that. Um, but I didn't think it was going to come down this far. And now that I'm, I'm, I'm in it every day and I'm watching things, I think, I think we've bottomed out. It's hard for me to imagine it getting much lower than it is and by the way just so we're, we're putting this in context 
comic books from the 1930s to the 1950s in general have actually done quite well during this period. And I believe part of that is due to their rarity factor. And I'm not saying that 100%, but I'm saying that probably, I'm probably 85% correct in, in stating that. Although, or 85% or of the market has either stabilized, has stabilized, plateaued, and or increased in that golden age market. In the 1960s, the Silver Age to modern, Silver Age bronze, copper, 1960s up, um, many of those books have gone down, except there are certain particular exceptions. Um, and and to, to, to be more succinct and answer the question, I think we've bottomed out. I think we've hit that area where we're, we're kind of good right now. I don't think it's going to go much lower. Uh, and, and one thing that should be really stressed, if you look to pre-pandemic prices, that's kind of where we're at right now. So it's not that they've gone down from where they were two and a half years ago or what have you. It's that they've gone down. They've lost the gains. A lot of them have lost the gains that have occurred over the last two and a half years during the pandemic. So, and, and by the way, I, I will say this. I've been doing this for now 37 years. I've seen ups and downs in the market, mostly ups. And my prediction is that in the next two years, not only will the gains, will we regain where we, we, we have been the last two years, but I believe in the next two years that we will exceed them. Now, I don't have a crystal ball, and I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but this is my feeling. Might it be three years? Yeah, might be. But I think there's going to be a lot of exciting things that happen in the next two to three years that are going to escalate the market. That's my prediction. Hey, my you probably have a lot of uh you know wisdom in the, in the prediction because you know a lot of it's similar to sports cards the values shot up during the pandemic they've come back down i don't know if they've come back down to where they were some have but we're seeing you know if you take out that that really if you take out the q1 of 2021 the market's actually doing pretty well so i'm not surprised to hear that but based on all of your experience and the fact that you you know, you've been in this for 37 years. You actually have some experience to base your prediction upon, whereas a lot of people who like to have a crystal ball, you know, they they think it's all going to hell because all they've seen is the last two and a half or three years. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you your prediction is, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but I appreciate you putting it out there and I hope it comes, uh, hope it comes true for you and the space, definitely. I want to ask you now, you've got a lot of original, what I believe is original comic book art behind you. It's sort of a, uh, a tertiary type of uh, hobby within comic books or adjacent or directly related, however you want to put it. But what do you prefer as a collectible, as an investment in the space? Do you prefer the original comic books? Do you prefer the original comic art? And it's timely that I ask you this because just last week uh, we had... We we had a um, Glenn Brunswick on from from Panel Page Art who deals in original comic art, and I see you have a bunch behind you. So I want to kind of see how what you say versus you know how he answered the similar question. Okay. So my prediction. Sorry, I didn't watch your show last week, but I'm going to guess Glenn Brunswick and most original art dealers are going to, in general, they'll say comic books are okay, but art's really where it's at. Now that. That's fine. I collect both and I deal in both. And um, I love both. Uh, having said that, I am, I am first and foremost a comic book collector. My comic book collection is pretty phenomenal and my art collection is pretty phenomenal. But 
there are certain aspects of comic books that can correlate into art. So a lot of people say, oh, original art, each one is one of a kind. That's true, but there are comps. There are similar pieces that you can compare to. So while each one is unique, and that's absolutely true, just like fine art or any other type of art, um, there's one of a kind. Now, the, now, comic books have an aspect of that in that they have pedigree collections. So pedigree collections, meaning an original owner collection, an extremely high grade with very long runs and or uh, great depth to the collection in one way or another. Uh, some, some of them are all number one. Some of them are, I've got, you know, 5,000 books and they're all mint condition, that type of thing. And some of them are coded, a pencil writing on them that might seem like it would deface a comic book, but for diehard collectors, that they love that distinguishing factor, a date stamp, a uh, person wrote their name on it. Um, not on Spider-Man's face, hopefully, but they wrote their name somewhere. So having said that, I love both of them as a form of collecting, as a form of investing. Um, I've been excited about both in many different ways. There are times where I get my hands on a comic book and I'm just in heaven. And there are times that I feel the same way about a piece of art. Now, I've heard sometimes where people will say um, people graduate from comic books to original comic art. And I don't necessarily feel that it's so much a graduation as if comic art is a higher type of collectible. But what I do feel is that oftentimes people are not aware of comic art as much as they are comic books. So eventually they, they learn about that and go, oh, this is something else interesting. Now, my, my perfect answer to this is, why do I have to choose? They're both great. I wanted to collect them both. I love them both. So uh, for me, there I have a lot of my comic art hanging on, on walls here. I don't necessarily have my comic books hanging, even with a UV light uh, um, protector. I get a little bit worried about having them out too long. Uh, but uh, I, I do also love to sit and look at the comic books. And while I've definitely uh, showcased and shown people my collection of art and comic books, people go nuts. They, they love them in black and white, but the colors just really make people come to life when it comes to comic books, holding a comic book in your hands. Yeah, I, I made that comment to Glenn last week that for me, I like the color. That's yeah. going to be uh, yeah. that's going to be a big attraction for me, just from an aesthetics uh, perspective. You mentioned uh, earlier your your partner uh, Stephen Fischler, and I, in doing some research, he was credited with creating the ten point grading scale for comic books. Can you speak a bit to you know? Is that true? How did that come about? Now we have several companies that will grade comic books or are they using his system? And I mean, just how important is it for your business that, that that's your partner? I mean, that seems like a big deal to me. Well, it's absolutely true. Uh, basically, back in 1999, year 2000, um, my partner pitched the parent company of CGC. CGC didn't exist yet. He pitched a parent company, CCG and NGC Coins, about the concept of third-party graded comic books. Now, oddly enough, I, I swear to you, when I was 15 years old, my, my first partner was a coin collector and coin dealer, and we sat there one day, i never forget this, I was 15 years old, saying, how do we do what they're doing with the NGC encapsulating a coin with comic books? And we both went, it'll never work because people want to read their comic books. I was 15 years old, this happened. Um, fast forward to the year 1999-2000, and Steve comes up uh, with a pitch to the company and says, hey, you know, I think that this could work. And they said, okay, great. Well, we need a grading scale. 
So he, Steve looked at a variety of different grading scales that were out there and really found that the numeric scale that was used in cards could be translated into comic books in a way that I think would be, that he thought would be a very uh, adaptable way with certain changes. And so what he did is he did, basically took the uh, card grading scale, reinvented it into, um, and applied it to the comic book world. Um, it's an incredibly important thing. And uh, I'm so happy he's credited with it because there are certain things that he hasn't been credited with. And it's a gift to the entire comic book collecting world. Uh, we didn't charge for this. There's no money being made off this. This is something that's used throughout the entire world of comic book collecting. And um, uh, not only is it great that he came up with that, but in terms of having Steve as a partner, uh, I'm very fortunate to have, literally, I consider the greatest singular mind when it comes to knowledge of comic books in terms of collecting history, buying and selling. I put them up against the next 10 guys in a in a trivial pursuit contest or a Jeopardy game, and I put all my money on him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, tell us a little bit more then, you know, because I'm a sports card guy first. I'm not, I'm not a comics guy, but I'm very interested. And you said that in developing or devising this system, it was based off a of sports card. So that's somewhat easy to understand, but what are some of the nuances that had to be adapted to make it really apply properly to comic books? And, and what are some, like in sports cards, it's, you know, centering edges, corners, and surface are the main criteria that are looked at. Can you just sort of explain how that works for comic books? So that's a great question. Um, in so creating the scale, he didn't so create, he didn't create the criteria. Criteria was already set up by the Overstreet price guide. And it's interpreted differently through anybody who's a comic book dealer or CGC's grading company. Everybody, into, even even the guys at CGC couldn't all agree on every single book. We're, we're not robots, we're, we're people. So everybody has subtle nuances and differences in, in, in likes and dislikes in terms of their pet peeves about how to grade a comic book. But in general, a lot of the things you said have become much more prominent over the years. Centering of a comic book, a comic book not being miswrapped so where you see some of the white from the back of the cover on the front cover, some people don't like that. They want it to be very straight. They want the staples to be perfectly on the spine. So these are certain things that me personally as a collector, I, I don't care so much. I really, I mean, genuinely, I love, if you, you, you know, if it's a gorgeous comic book, as long as it's not like on an angle, I'm pretty much okay with that. Having said that, the more expensive comic books become and the more uh, that they are in demand, the more um, particular people can be about the grades of, uh, uh, or, or the uh, aesthetics of a comic book. Um, other things that go into the grading of the comic book, I can give you a rundown. Uh, uh, grading is just like with any other collectible. It's an accumulation of defects. So the less defects, the higher the grade. Uh, stress lines on a comic book, um, tears, uh, pieces out, um, impact dents on corners, um, fingerprint marks, uh, um, indentations. Sometimes somebody held a piece of paper over it and wrote something on the list uh, for a list and it, and it and trans, transfers onto the comic book. Um, uh, ink, stains, uh, water stains, chemical stains, coffee stains. I've seen comic books used as coffee mugs, you know, for co coasters for co coffee mugs. Um, so there are a whole host of different types of defects. Uh, foxing, rust on staples, that's an aspect that cards don't have. Cards are only paper. Uh, comic books are made of two different types of paper, the cover stock and the interior, as well as the staples. So you have different elements going into this. 
Uh, sometimes you get people who leave their stuff in humidity, staples get rusted. That's a, that's a defect. So um, there are a whole host of different types of things. And then, of course, then we can open up a can of worms with talking about restoration and conservation, something that's very prominent in our hobby. And, and that needs to be disclosed. Uh, it's important that it's disclosed. But all the different facets and, and, and qualities of work that go into that art form. Awesome. Thank you for that summary. You just touched on restoration, which was on my show notes for a little bit later, but Paul Santos also jumped in and said, just wondered what Vincent's thoughts are on comic book restoration. You also mentioned conservation, you know, and as a card collector, we look very poorly upon restoration, conservation. Uh, I'm not sure so much. I think that that might be okay, but can you speak to what are your personal thoughts? What, how does the hobby look at restoration and then what's the difference between restoration and conservation so restoration how do i feel about it in general uh i think it's 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 fine uh you have to pay accordingly you're not going to pay an unrestored price for a restored book and depending on the degree the severity uh or type of restoration that's done on a comic book the price will fluctuate um and one thing I'd like to point out is in the 80s, uh, when restoration was in its infancy, I would say, uh, restored, let's say an unrestored comic book in this grade would sell for $5,000. An unrestored comic book would sell for $4,500. wasn't a big disparity of price. Now, $5,000, the other one might sell for $2,500, might sell for $1,000, might sell for $500. So it all depends on what's been what's been going on with the book, what's going on with the books. So um, I am fine with people collecting restored books. I've seen people make a ton of money on restored books. I've seen people take unrestored books that were in very low grade and, and falling apart, get them restored. And uh, there's so many interesting techniques used. One, for instance, is called leaf casting, where you take a mulch with com a comic book that's missing paper. You put it into the solution of the with the mulch. And then you dry it out and you cut the paper and it fits perfectly. It's attached to all the holes. It's fascinating. I just love it. Um, so you have that aspect. You have color touch. You have uh, reinforcement. You have uh, bleaching or, or not bleaching, I shouldn't say, um, uh, lightening of pages. You have deacidification. You have uh, tear seals. There's so many different color touch, I said already. Um, now, conservation, where does conservation differ? Uh, so nowadays they're saying eh, if you're conserving a book and not actually adding something on. So whereas piece replacement um, is, is and, and when you're painting a piece, uh, uh, color touching a book, that's considered a form of restoration. Whereas if you're just cleaning a book, a book is dirty and you're cleaning it, that's a form of conservation. So it's a much more, a much uh, lighter form of restoration and back in the day it was not viewed very differently but again as things become more expensive you fine-tune everything and and also uh, i i would imagine imagine from cgc's perspective it adds a whole new array of resubmissions in because now they've changed things a bit and people can try to better their collectible so yeah. Um, those are those are my answers for you on that subject. Uh, I personally do collect restored comic books, believe it or not. I, I was loath to do it for a long time, and then 
after a while, you know, you see like the market gets away from you. You go, God, I could have bought this book for 10 grand. Now it's 200 grand. Ah, it drives me crazy. I'll just buy a restored copy to have in my collection. And I've also, you know, as a dealer, I've made a lot of money off restored books. It happens all the time. I think that's a fair approach. And it's similar to sports cards, right? Uh, restoration is a no-no. Conservation, and you mentioned like even with a comic book, when the original collector would write their name or date inside the book, makes me think of a pencil mark on say the back of a vintage card as soon as that kid very innocently wrote on the back of their card they they altered it they changed it they didn't have any nefarious uh, intentions but they did it as a kid so now if we are going to remove that pencil mark is that restoration or is it conservation it was never intended to be there in the first place so when we take it off i personally don't have an issue with that as a card collector, I think some people do. The other thing that comes to mind, Vincent, when I think about that is a car, a crease on a card. If I have a sports card and I drop it by accident, I crease it, oh, I've altered that card. I put the crease in it that wasn't meant to be there. So now what if I wanna go remove that crease? Is that conservation or is it restoration? I think it's, I think it's, I think it was, it was, it was restoration. You were impacting it when you dropped it. Now you're just trying to put it back to normal, but I don't do any of these things. It's just the way I think. In, in comic books, uh, dry cleaning, non-solvent cleaning is is not even called anything. It's not called conservation in any way. So when I say cleaning, I'm, I'm talking more about a, a water bath cleaning or a solvent cleaning. Uh, those are the types of cleaning that I'm, I'm discussing when I'm talking about conservation. In terms of uh, cleaning and pressing, it's become a very um, accepted form of work on a comic book and is not counted as any type of restoration. And I think that's fine. You're not altering the book. Like you said, you're taking it back to where it was. I think you're doing the comic book a, a, a service. Pre yeah. Pressing and cleaning. And, you know, we've had on uh, the graded sports magazine uh, people from the hobby as well. And they, you know, uh, the one individual does pressing and cleaning for clients. And so that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And it's something that I don't think sports card collectors have embraced uh, yet, but you never know. Maybe, maybe never. Um, I wanted to go to this comment here from someone on Facebook says it depends on the type of collector. Restoration is fine for someone just trying to complete a run, whereas investors aren't a fan of it. I'm not a fan of people pressing comics. Okay, very interesting. Um, uh, also, a collector's dream. Hello to you, Charles Fuchs says I collect Marvel cards. You know, very quickly on this on the subject of cards, where you have that crossover or that you know do a lot do. Do you find with your customer base who are comic collectors originally, are they interested in the comic cards that have come out, you know, recently and even back in the nineties? Um, yes. There's a tremendous crossover from sports card collectors, non-sports card collectors to comics. And it's become increasingly obvious to me over the last three or four years, as we've seen so many people from sports collectors, sports card collectibles and non-sports coming into comic books saying, Oh my God, these things are so rare. And they're so undervalued, comparatively speaking, to the cards that we're buying. I got to buy some comic books. And I've seen that time and again. I do want to go back to the person who made that comment. Uh, I understand not being a fan of pressing. If it's done right, you won't know the difference. So good luck with that. You can not be a fan of it, but you're not going to be able to figure that out. Um, and when it's obvious, you should avoid it. That's fine. Um, and, and I disagree. I think restoration is fine for investors. I've seen tons of collectors and investors make a lot of money off of restored books. There's definitely a, a great market there. 
you have to, again, understand how the market plays, buy accordingly to market values, and be patient, just like you would with an unrestored comic book. All right. Well, thanks for uh, for that. Let's go back to this comment here by DG. He says, could never get my head around slabbing a comic book. You'd never be able to read it and appreciate its contents. So I've let, let me just try this. Yeah. I've asked this question before, and I've been told, well, you can read any book you want. There's an app for that now. So it kind of makes sense to me to preserve your the book and to then read it online. Uh, speak to that a little bit, please. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I read comic books online all the time. I love holding them in my hand. And I'll quote Stan Lee, who made a great comment, which 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 falls in, in line with what this person's saying. He was asked if he thought online comic books would destroy the physical comic market. And he said, comic books are like boobs. They're great to look at, but better to hold in your hands. And so <laughs> I understand what he's saying, but it does make it easier when you're going to sleep at night to read it on your computer so you don't worry, wake up in the morning with a crumpled up book underneath your sheets. So uh, I, I do understand the uh, the idea, the difficulty about slabbing a comic book, but you can read pretty much every comic book online, even books from the 1930s online. I want to ask this. This is a personal question from, from me in that uh, comic books seem to be really associated with superheroes versus some of the lighter material you know as a kid i was i was reading archie comics that's what i enjoyed to read the richie rich books uh those sorts of things even even elf when there was a kind married with children you're probably laughing at me but that's what i was reading when i was a kid um art i wonder about archie comics it seems to me like archie comics have been around for so long and every kid knows about them are is there a market for archie comics in in, in your world absolutely archie premiered many people don't realize this in 1942 so during World War II, uh, I always say there's there's Archie is as American as apple pie. You got Disney, and to me, you got Archie. These are these are two of those like great uh, iconic brands that still exist and are very wholesome. I know, and I've set up at comic book conventions in the Middle East and talked to kid to to adults who who grew up in international schools. They said, "Oh, you have Archie. That's fantastic." I grew up reading Archie. I'm like, you grew up in Jordan. How did you grow up reading Archie? I went to an international school and these were the comic books they had first because these were wholesome comic books. So Archie's are highly collectible. There's some incredible covers. The early issues are pretty rare. Archie first appears in Pep 22, Pep Comics 22, and uh, Jackpot number four. And these are books that are very highly collected, investment comics. Um, also, you have comic books like the first appearances of Richie Rich and, and characters like that. Um, what we'd call teen humor or kids comics, they're very highly collectible. And I personally think they're great. And I love Archie. Ah, so, okay. So I don't feel so uh, funny about that. I'm glad we're on the same page there. There's been a lot of movies that have been coming out recently in the last several years. You know, the Iron Man ones come to mind, of course, Batman, Superman, you got Venom, you got Black Panther. How important is it for what might be, say, a comic? title character who isn't very popular to all of a sudden have a movie come out is it is that a i, I mean it's obviously important to the to the values that can be realized on those books but is that lasting and what does it take to keep them in the in the headlines to keep them uh at the top of lists for collectors and investors and maybe even newcomers to want to go back and and pick up some of these things it's extremely important and has really helped to uh 
make certain comic books and uh, titles explode in value. Uh, characters like Iron Man, characters like Blade, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, a lot of these characters I love as a comic book collector, but it was really exciting and interesting to see a whole new um, swath of, of fans and collectors come into the market to buy up their first and early appearances and want to learn more about the characters. So comic book movies uh, are definitely very important. They've become, I believe, less important over the last so many years but um, still very, very important. Um, I, I, I just went to see the new Quantumania uh, movie, which I thought was fun, um, but it was really interesting seeing characters that they premiered in the movie from comic books, and I'm going, oh, I wonder if that one's gonna go up, and, and oftentimes they do, so that's really cool. Really cool, all right, well, thanks for that. Shattered Comics says, how many action ones have you sold, Vincent, asking for a friend? <laughs> hey, Matt, <laughs> hey, Shattered. So Shattered Comics, they make incredible, mosaics I I and know. They're, they're I'm incredible and he's doing I'm, sports cards and doing all types of stuff i'm following him on instagram now and i i'm, I'm always like that is a beaut like the venom piece he just posted in the last couple it's like beautiful work absolutely it, it, it's amazing it really is and and and, and kudos to him to, to turning this into a whole marketplace making variant covers and all types of cool stuff but how many action ones have i ever sold i, I would have to guess at this point I'm going to say probably around 45 copies, 40 copies. I don't know. And some of them I've sold multiple times. And um, this one here I'm going to be selling for the first time. Uh, it's on. It's in our current auction, comicconnect.com. And it started today. And this is one of the most interesting copies of Action Comics number one I have ever had the pleasure to market and bring to the comic book collecting community. And I'm going to explain... Um, I'll explain very quickly why. So this is actually mostly a replica cover. It's a facsimile cover, except this part here and Superman is original. Somebody had cut out Superman, had cut out the little guy here, had cut out um, this and a lot of the stuff going up to here. And so what we did is we cut out, we made a copy, we cut out those parts, fit this stuff in, and now you have what's kind of close to being an original cover, original comic book, uh, or partial original comic book. Um, it is coverless, uh, technically speaking, and the centerfold is also um, a facsimile. Now, to me, this is quite possibly the most affordable copy of Action Comics number one that I'll have brought to market in the last 10, 15 years. And for many people, this will be the closest they'll ever be able to get to afford an Action Comics number one. And I think this is just so cool. Uh, not only because I'm selling it and bringing it to market, but because you have certain aspects of this that make this book so incredibly unique. And I think for somebody out there, who can't spend a million dollars on a comic book, this one might be accessible for them. And you're still getting what's mostly an original book. Every page inside is original except for the centerfold. The prime focal area where you're looking, Superman and the car, are original. And that's pretty cool. 
So we're going to see what happens. This this is going to end on March 14th on ComicConnect.com. It started today. So, yeah, I mean, all the pages are, are original except the centerfold and the cover. The cover is partially real. Did NG mean not graded or not graded? Right, or? right. You can't put a grade on it because it's coverless and it's, you know, pieced together. It's kind of uh, what, what I'd call like a Frankenstein sort of thing. It's got That's what we call it. Yeah. yeah. Friend good, fire bad. Yeah. <laughs> Rag here says, don't forget Disney Plus was a game changer as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you this next. Uh, you've got you've got a big customer base, I'm sure. What are the most, and again, I'm asking some of these questions for the novice viewer, not your expert viewers. What are some of the most popular characters? And, and I, I guess actually, like, how do... I always say in sports cars, there's a million ways to approach the hobby. No two collectors collect the same way. Does that same sort of uh, statement apply to comic books? And what are some of the most popular ways that people do collect? And like, even if you were to think of some of your your customers, what are they? What are they collecting? Are they collecting number ones? Are they collecting certain runs of certain titles? Do they collect DC or Marvel? Kind of just uh, riff off of that, if you don't mind. Okay, so. Some people collect key issues only. Some people collect by time periods. They only collect Golden Age. They only collect Silver Age. They only collect Bronze. They only collect Modern. Some people collect by characters. I want to have every Spider-Man comic book ever made. Some people collect by artists. I want to have the first time an artist drew a comic book, the first time he drew a particular character, the first time a writer wrote a comic book, um, the death of a character, the first appearance of a character, the time two characters fought each other for the first time. The time two characters met for the first time. Mm -hmm. So there are so many different ways to go. Some people collect by pedigrees. Some people collect by um, condition. Some people are great collectors. I knew somebody who collected every single comic book that was put out the year and month that he was born. And there's actually a name for that. I can't quite recall what it's called, but there is a name for it. And that's that's super interesting. You know, in the sports card world, we have lots of content, lots of YouTube shows, lots of podcasts. Is the same thing happening in comic books? Are there is there has there been a, a recent proliferation of new podcasts, YouTube shows yourself? Do you do a podcast? I used to do a radio show is an online radio station called World Talk Radio. And it was called Comic Zone Radio. Did it from 2003 to 2008. All the interviews are still on the site, comiczoneradio.com. They're all free. Anybody who wants to go and listen to them, more than welcome to go and listen to them. And so it's very exciting. It's very fun. And it's very cool. And I love being a guest on your show. And we've been trying to figure out a way for me to start doing um, my own podcast again. And who knows, maybe it'll come back again. Uh, I'm talking to... A few friends of mine in the Hollywood world see, can this be parlayed into something a little bit different? Uh, in fact, they're a meeting tomorrow night. We'll see how that goes. So uh, they're extremely popular. Um, there are certain people who have created uh, names for themselves through their radio shows, or sorry, podcasts, I should say, and YouTube YouTube channels. Uh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think, I think as long as it's coming from a place... Um, where you're sharing knowledge and entertaining and having fun, I think that's a great thing. Uh, yeah. 
And, and you know, uh, for me also, I think commerce is a very big part of this. And I think it's not something that should be looked down upon. Uh, so, you know, being able to share with you some of the collectibles that I have up for auction is going to be a lot of fun. I know we're going to try to spend a couple minutes on that. So I always think that that's a really great thing to, to try to do. Well, and let's get to that in a minute. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Hollywood Connections. You mentioned uh, your new original book coming out or titled The Addiction. I mean, a comic book is just a path on the way to a, to a movie or a, or a cartoon or something like that. So I do wish you, I, I, it'll be a lot of fun for me to watch The Addiction in theaters and know that I, I got to interview the creator uh, a few years back. Thank you. That, that would be great. You know, and, in a, and one of the things that drove me to do this in the beginning was the idea to parlay this into something uh, like a movie or television show or animation. And those would be fantastic. And I've taken a step back from that. And I've realized that with my comic book, if I could just make people smile, think a little bit, and enjoy themselves, and it never becomes any of those other types of media, that's going to be good enough for me. Yeah, I'll be very happy if somebody comes up to me one day and says, hey, I read your comic book. I really liked it. That's awesome. That's a win. That's a win yeah. for sure. Uh, this Facebook user says, I collect comics like I do cards. I love comics and cards for my youth. I also love first appearances and rookies. That's uh, very consistent. Makes sense to me. Uh, Rag here says, definitely not runs. Dealers only want the key issues. That If a dealer only wants the key issues, that tells me that their customers only want the key issues. And I, I have to think there's more, there's more collectors out there than just key issue collectors. I have over 150,000 comic books in stock and people do collect and read and buy runs and try to put runs together. But what Rags means by this is that keys are much easier to sell. You can pay a much higher percentage because your cash isn't tied up in the book as long. And if it is, you don't really mind because it's a key. It's one book to sell. Whereas you have to sell entire runs to, to make it. Now, me personally as a collector, I don't collect runs simply because I'm kind of a little lazy when it comes to that. I like keys personally, and I like cool covers. That's what I collect. I collect a lot of 1950s horror. I collect golden age keys. I collect silver age keys. I collect modern keys. If I think it's cool and I like it, I buy it. Like probably the most modern comic book that I bought is Saga Number 1. I love the series Saga. It's a science fiction uh, romance space opera and and if you want to read something really great i would highly recommend saga drawn by fiona staples and written by the great brian k vaughn uh, i just think it's one of the best series i've read in a long time i put walking dead up there as well in terms of modern things cool. well, I, I just wrote it down so i can look at it uh, uh later so um okay before we get into looking at some of the items that you are going that you are going to have on your upcoming auction you know we are doing this show it's called collectible live for I do this for Collectible, the fractional ownership company. And I'm just wondering, what, if any, sort of uh, business have you done with Ezra and the team over at Collectible? And have you put any books in their uh, BWIC platform or on their uh, fractional platform at all? Well, I haven't put anything in there yet, but I, I have been uh, uh, an advisor and I've, I've interviewed with Ezra and I'm happy to promote these things because um, I do believe it's a great uh, service that they're offering, a product line that they're offering in the sense that many times people, no matter what they do, uh, either for financial constraints or just um, they're, they don't want to put a million dollars in a collectible, 
any type of collectible, but they'd buy shares in it. And I think that's awesome. And this is something that had been, uh, I've been approached with probably 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and every time I thought about it, I kept seeing me being let out in handcuffs <laughs> because, because it just seems like it's ripe for um, uh, uh, a conflict of interest. But the way they're doing it is FCC, SEC re regulated and everything is above board and, and really clean and nice. And I think that's fantastic. And it's a way people can safely buy shares of collectibles. Uh, I personally think it's awesome. I've bought shares. I've, I've actually sold to fractional companies and then bought the same collectible back for more and then resold it for more. So uh, I've used it as a resource. Uh, I've used it to invest and I've made money. Uh, I love it. I think it's really cool. I think Ezra's team is fantastic. And I think that what they're doing uh, is revolutionizing the way people are looking at collectibles and further validating them as a non-traditional or non-orthodox form of investment. Hey, well said. Really, really well said. And I couldn't agree more. And of course, I wouldn't be working with them if I didn't uh, believe in their integrity and their professionalism. So I appreciate you uh, you know, feeling the same way. So you've got a big auction coming up. you got some key pieces. Look at that smile. You can't wait to show yeah. us. I can't wait to see them. Let's see some of the key features of your upcoming auction. And All right, you may so, well let people know where they can find it. So our auction is called ComicConnect.com. And we have multiple categories. Predominantly, we are comic book, uh, known for comic books, vintage comic books. We, we sell platinum all the way up to modern age comic books. We also deal in original comic art, video games, pulps, uh, VHS tapes. Um, we have done cards. We've done toys, statues, uh, even movie props, which are really fun. So let me get started and show you a couple of things that I think are just super cool. First thing is a video game called, this is, this is a Nintendo World Championship uh, cartridge, gray cartridge. And what makes this so darn cool is this was handed out to the competitors in the first Nintendo World Championships. And this was, was from the collection of Nicholas Mumbrai Wheeler. And um, he was seven and a half years old when he competed in the first competition and made it all the way to the finals. Um, and this was used to play, I believe, uh, Mario Brothers, Tetris, and I think Donkey Kong, I want to say. And so it had three games in it. And it's got like three little buttons there. And it's just so cool because this is part of video game competition history. Now we have over 20 lots in the auction from his collection. And what was crazy about his collection is that his dad saved everything. He thought this all got thrown out. And when he realized that his dad had saved it all, um, he, he said, boy, this might have value, started looking into the marketplace. We were introduced over a year ago, and it took time for CGC, CGC's grading company, to get the parts in place to do their encapsulation because they were still developing everything. And he wanted to go with C, CGC and CAG, which authenticated all the other collectibles, which include tickets, his trophy, uh, his tombstone board with his name on it, uh, even a shirt. It's so cool. What a great collection. Um, moving on from there, let me show you some of the comic books that are in this auction. And I, I can race through these pretty quickly. Here's Captain America number one. It is a CGC graded uh, 7.0. I'm sorry for all the glare there, guys. It's kind of hard uh, to, to get rid of the glare. But you can see it's Captain America number one, 
7.0, and it's also QES, QES uh, certified, which is a company that we started um, in, in similar to cards and I believe uh, coins. When something looks exceptional for the grade, it should be denoted, and grading companies don't do that, so we do that. Uh, so that's the first appearance of Captain America. I showed you the first appearance of Superman. Here's the first appearance of Shazam. Back then, he was known as Captain Marvel. And what's awesome about this piece is it's a sample copy, which means it was sent out by Fawcett to try to uh, solicit new clients to carry the comic book. You can see the word sample written on it in a couple of different places. This is graded 5.5. This is an incredibly tough book to find. I love this book. Another great comic book in here is Batman number one and CGC graded 2.5. What's exceptional about this book is it looks so beautiful for the grade. It's a 2.5, which is a lower grade, but this book looks so cool. Um, what's great about this is it's not only the first issue of Batman, but it's also the first appearance of two major characters in the Batman pantheon of characters, including the Joker and Catwoman. So first appearances of those two characters. This is a great book. Why is it a 2.5? It looks so nice. What's wrong um, with it? It's got it's got certain subtle defects. It's got a detached cover, and so there's there's certain things. If you really look at it closely, you'll see why they technically gave it a lower grade. Detached um, cover. Yeah. So the staples came away from the cover, and in the comic books, we have also Superman number one. Not to be confused with Action Comics number one. Superman number one came out later, and in uh, has in it the first four issues, first four Superman stories from Action one through four. So, oh, so they they re republished them. them. Yeah, re-edited, reprinted them. Re, How uh, much later did this come out after so, after the action? Superman was so popular. Superman Action Comics comes out in 1938. This in 1939. So not even oh. a year later. Yeah. So now we've got a couple of other things to share with you, which I think are really cool. Um, pulps. Pulps predate comic books uh, in the 1920s uh, and. Um, all the way through the 50s, and this is one of the most popular ones. This is a Weird Tales by um, um, uh, the um, artist's name is uh, Brundage, Marie Brundage. She was um, a, a, a painter, and she painted a lot of really, really great covers. This is known as the Batwoman cover, and it is highly collected. It's from uh, 1933, October of 1933, and just super cool i love this cover and here we have this is really amazing this is amazing stories uh this is from 1928 august of 1928 this is the first appearance of buck rogers wow and that's so cool. cool i mean just think of it buck rogers my first introduction to buck rogers was when i was a kid with gil gerard and and beautiful uh, linda gray from silver spoons on it and 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 the robot uh, beady 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 uh and, but this is 1928, so the, the, the TV series in the 80s, and this is from 19, wow, 1928, so cool. So um, original artwork, here's a great piece. This is from the 70s. This is a super great piece by Al Milgram, a very popular artist who's becoming more and more popular as the decades continue. And this is uh, from a title called Marvel Team-Up, and it is a team-up between Spider-Man and Human Torture. When I was a little boy, this is what I love to collect because I only had like a quarter. And you can see this is like 30 cents. So when they first came out, I think they were uh, like 20 cents, 15 cents, 20 cents, and 25 cents, and 30 cents, and 35 cents. So to me, I had one quarter. I could get two heroes for the price of one. 
<laughs> and so I love these. And here he is teamed up with the Human Torch and the Fantastic Four in this issue. And it's just super cool. Um, these have original art has become very highly collectible. And this piece will do incredibly well. Al Milgram's art is just has just gone through the roof the last few years. What is it um, in? Is, is it in some sort of uh bag. Oh, it is. Uh, you can put it in a Mylar bag. This is just in a regular bag, a poly, um, uh, ethylene, a polypropylene bag. Um, and here's a more modern uh, piece of art. This one is from 2001, which is hard to believe. That's over 20 years now. And it is by a great artist named J. Scott Campbell. And this was actually for PlayStation Magazine. It's just a super, super image of Spider-Man, just gorgeous artwork. I love J. Scott Campbell's artwork. Uh, I did an art gallery show with him a number of years ago, and we crushed it. Uh, he is one of the most popular comic book artists of the last 30 years, and he's also a really nice guy and, and just super to work with. Uh, and, and I'm so excited to have some of his art in our auction. And there's one more thing I'm going to show you. VHS tape. Uh, VHS tape is incredibly, incredibly popular. I am a child of the 70s, and I love Saturday Night Fever. And this is an incredibly rare early edition of Saturday Night Fever. You have to understand, VHS was not around for a long time. So there's a very finite period of time of, uh, of movies that were made into VHS tapes. This is just an exceptional shape. It's an 8.5 for the box and 9.0 for the seal. Um, they're both mint rated. And look at it. Well, it's got John Travolta on the cover. You, you had me sold at that. You hit my hat. I work real hard on my hat. And then you go and hit it. Why'd you hit my hat? <laughs> That's what I got for you, man. So we have over 2,500 items in this auction. It's going to be spectacular. I am so excited. We work our tails off. My team and I work our tails off to bring incredibly interesting, rare, and unique items to the market. And this auction really, really, really showcases just that. And oh, I can't yeah. wait for it to, to finish in the week of March 13th through the 17th uh, during the evenings. And the first night is all the non-comic book stuff. And then the comic books start on Tuesday and go from there. Well, a couple of pieces certainly caught my eye. And uh, this uh, this is a friend of mine, Scott, here. says, I have, I have bought from Comic Connect several times, never disappointed, great service and selection. That's Thank a nice uh, comment right there. Thank, Thank you, you Scott, who's watching on Facebook. Do we have time? I do, if you do. And do you have the ability to give us a bit of a tour of your stock room yeah. or gallery? Yeah. What do you think? I'd love to. I totally forgot to go on to the um, thing here. The Hold on a second. Let me see if I can grab this. Yeah. Do this. Here we go. Uh, let's do it. And while um, you're doing that, we had a question from Brendan Ryan. Love the VHS. Are betas also being slabbed? Betamax by Sony. You know, that is a great question. I believe they are, but I'm not 100%. And now we're getting... Okay. I'm, I've Zoomed you. I, I've muted you on your computer. So let's see if we can... We can't hear you on the phone, though. Um, there you are. Never mind. You're okay. there now. We so gotcha. now I need to turn this camera around, right? You're yeah. fine. You're fine. Oh, yeah, you do. You need to turn around so we can see uh, what, what you're looking at. How do I do that? I always forget. There's probably a little some sort. Oh, wait, here I hey. found it. I think I found it. Okay. Uh, camera. Ha-ha. 
Ta-da! Here there we, we go. go. So this is part of our art gallery. We also do movie posters. So um, what's really cool is here's a page from X-Men number one. So cool. Yeah. Uh, first appearance of, of Thor in a comic book. Early Spider-Man. Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man. Um, yeah. And, and, and just so much more artwork. And I'd love to show you guys some more of the comic books. Uh, in fact, I'm going to run back into my office. We have a few minutes and I can grab a key and take you into the locked area. Um, actually, yeah, very cool pieces of art here. As you can see, they, they go on and on. Um, here's you could oh, Vincent, if yep. you could unlock your, your phone or at least uh, turn the, turn it horizontal. If you don't mind, just hold your phone horizontally and let's see if it'll open. Yeah, there we go. Now we get a, uh, we just get a wider view. Thanks for the, ah, thanks. This sure. is the breaks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That makes a lot more sense. Um, so uh, this piece right here is Fantastic Four 74, Jack Kirby, classic Galactus and Silver Surfer. Here's uh, the first appearance of Swamp Thing, House of Secrets 92. So anybody who knows artwork and comic books will know how rare and cool these are. Here's a, a, a Frazetta painting. It's probably worth about a million dollars, give or take. Um, Neil Adams on Batman. Uh, Steve Ditko, co-creator of Spider-Man on Captain Adam. Uh, first appearance of The Watcher. That's pretty cool. So cool. Um, and let's see what else we got. Some other really cool posters. Abbott Costello, Meet Frankenstein, one of my favorites from when I was a kid. Phantom of the Opera. Early World's Finest. And is more for Zeta, Doctor Doom. A Marvel triple triple action by John Romita, and let's see, let's see. This is where this is where my staff works on comic books all day, and this is my personal office filled with tons of comic books and stuff and artwork, stacks of stuff. Um, I'm gonna grab some keys. Here's another McFarland cover. All right, let's go check out the. Uh, <laughs> Let's go check out the stock room. You guys are going to yeah. get out of this. So oftentimes people see this, they say this reminds them of the scene from uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So as you can see, we have tons of comic books. And by the way, this is just a, a, a small fraction of what we have. Um, but yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. I'm just I'm just amazed by this. Uh, we've got yeah, even Brendan Ryan's a serious wow factor here. <laughs> yeah, so just to give you an idea, this is probably the world's largest selection of vintage comic books. Um, actually, no doubt, it's the world's largest selection of vintage comic books, but probably also the world's largest selection of just like CGC graded books. Just to give you an idea, like here's most most companies won't have one copy. We've got multiple copies. And here's a 9.8. So, you know, I mean, just to give you a perspective. Now, that's a Bronze Age book, but we can go into Golden Age and, and so on and so forth. Um, let's see, like, here's Batman's, early Batman's. Check this out. So, Batman 28, 29, 30, 33, 37, another 37, Joker cover. Um, and it goes on and on and on. There's the penguin and so you can't go anywhere else in the world and see this type of selection it's just impossible early detectives batman title 
No, nobody has this type of selection. This is this is like unprecedented in the world of collectibles nowadays, and it's just so much fun for me as a kid who, you know, was scraping together nickels and dimes from a from my my couch cushion to buy conflicts to be uh, a dealer in this type of stuff. And these are just classic covers, of Joker covers. There's a, there's a sports cover. Nice. <laughs> so you have all this type of, of material here. Um, over here, you have stuff like like you were mentioning earlier, like Archie, but you have Tom and Jerry as well. There's Tom and Jerry. Um, here's a Golden Age title called Tip Top. Yeah. You know, from the 40s, which had characters like the Cats and Jammer Kids, which were really popular characters. Um, here's a title called Tomb of Dracula from the 70s. And he has 9.4 condition. And so there's tons of them that you can read. You can still read them. Not everything's encapsulated in, in a, a CGC holder. Um, Western comic books. All different genres. There's romance comic books. There's uh, war comics like Wings from the 1940s. Uh, horror comic books from the 70s like Witching Hour. And so we have an incredible selection. You can check on Comic Connect as well as our parent company, metropoliscomics.com. And it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Can you just give us that wide view just to see the scope of how many boxes and, and rows and how high these things go? Like it's, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, look at that. Like, yeah. Abdeel, huge inventory. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And again, like for me as a kid, like I never dreamed I'd have anything like this. And, and that's one thing I, I try to tell people is, you know, you have to have a vision. You have to have an idea as to what you're wanting to do with your, with your time, with your life. And, and I think anything you want to do, you can accomplish. Uh, and it's, it's really important that you have to know uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work. You know, this doesn't just happen. So, you know, being able to do this is, makes me really happy. We have a great team of people who make things happen on a day-to-day -day basis. But um, it's a lot of hard work. And it takes yeah, a lot. And, and, and you've got to sell this. Like, eventually, this is inventory. This is you want to move this stuff. And it's not like you can just fill up a truck and go to a, a comic show. There's too much stuff here. How do you <laughs> how do you how do you get your head around? Like, you just need a system and you need employees. Mad yeah. magazines. Look at that. But you need you need to have this stuff, you know, organized digitally so you can even yep. offer it to the market in a efficient manner. How have you done that? Yeah, we do. So every comic book is entered into our database. Every comic book is uh, any comic book over fifteen dollars is is scanned, and people can request scans for lower priced comic books if they're serious about buying them. Um, and uh, we sell comic books every day, every day of the year, and we do uh, tons of business online. Uh, people love us for our accuracy in terms of our grading. They love us for our depth of um, knowledge in terms of our staff and our team and they love us for this incredible selection you just there's nowhere else you can find this type of selection uh, and if I set up at a convention with everything I had um, I wouldn't need, you wouldn't need a single other dealer in the room no um, that's all that's apparent. but we listen it's also it's a lot of fun I mean again every day I feel like it's Christmas I come here and in the morning a package comes in this morning I got that action one I showed you guys so that's really cool. And then, you know, here you have one of the early uh, 
second appearance of Sandman or origin of Dr. Strange. Um, just like so many cool things. Uh, look at this, this really cool, uh, strange tales, 66. It's just great stuff. Uh, makes me so happy. So, so cool. yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I feel very fortunate, very blessed. Uh, and I'm very happy. And, and if there's anybody who's watching has any questions, I'm happy to answer. You can call me anytime. You can email us. Um, we're happy to help. Well, all right. Um, well, listen, uh, instead of having to go back and you, oh, there he is. Well, okay. Well, we can wrap this up then, Vincent. Um, thanks a lot for, I mean, this has been a lot of fun, very, very, uh, informational and educational. So I, I've really enjoyed this chatting with you and hanging out. So thanks so much. Thanks to everyone in the chat. I'll let you have a final, uh, a final word and then we're going to, we'll wrap this up. Well, thanks for all the great questions. Thank you, uh, Jeremy, for being such a, a gracious host and working with me in terms of scheduling. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. I never grow tired of talking about comic books. Uh, again, it's something I, I'm very passionate about. Obviously, I hope you can tell that. Um, and uh, I would love to come back on again if there's some other time, another topic in terms of uh, something else about comic books or any other type of collectible that we can discuss. And uh, to everybody else out there, if you're only collecting cards, I'd say look at comic books. And if you're collecting comic books already, buy more comic books. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let, we, we can definitely keep in touch and see what we can do again in the future. Thanks so much, Vincent. This has been great. Good luck with the upcoming auction. And, uh, and with that, everybody, thanks for joining. This episode is now over. Thanks. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.